All right. So as we, we wrapped up, we had a, a little bit of technical difficulties, but uh, as we wrapped up the the last part where we closed out and discussed uh, each week's um, breakdown of the recap, uh, we're going to move transition into um, maybe this is a player that made the list. Maybe they didn't make the list, um, but somebody who impressed you and thought that you thought should have been on the list or is on the list um, for offensive player of the week, defensive player of the week. Give me one candidate that you would have liked to or is on there. Uh, for offense, it's going to be Ty Dixon for Texas A&M. Um, he's the lifeblood of that team, man. Uh, 167 and three scores. He, he definitely made an impact, and he's a very, very talented running back for Eric Mears and Ty Perry out there at Texas A&M. Um, he had 1,000 yards last year. I think he's going to easily hit that once again. And uh, any other week, he's on that list. But just, it was a crazy week for quarterbacks this week. And uh, defensively, I'm going to stay home and be a homer, and he's on the list, and I think he deserves to be there. And that's uh, Sydney, man. Um, he, he had that uh, big play for us, the pick six. And, you know, he really – he locked down that side of the field. Uh, so he made a huge impact for us. It wasn't the most flashy of numbers you're going to see, um, but the numbers don't tell the whole story. and. He definitely helped us stop them from retaking that momentum in the second quarter when he got that pick six and it kind of really propelled us to go on and win that game. So he's a he's a heck of a player and I'm really glad that he's sitting here on the blue and gold side of the field. No, absolutely. And both of them had great performances. And Ty Dixon's always uh, somebody you got to watch out for. And Sydney Banks is just a phenomenal corner. Um, so we're going to go to you, Stephen. Give me your offense and defensive player of the week that you, you saw. So I'm going to go with a little bit of a homer pick here. Um, I played with Joshua Sheeran back at Bowling Green. And uh, he transferred to Wisconsin in the offseason. And uh, this season he put up. 11 catches for 167 yards and a touchdown. They may not be uh, offensive player of the week numbers just for this week because Courtney Harris is basically a shoe in with his uh, 520 yards on the ground. But I feel like he came into the power three with a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. And he came out and did just that. Yeah. And uh, defensively, uh, I'm gonna go with the guy that gave me nightmares, uh, Michael Kruger. He just—he's just a monster on that, that defensive side of the ball for Washington. He picked up right where he left off at Ohio State. Came in with five tackles, five tackles for loss, and four sacks. He made—he uh, made life very difficult on us this week. Oh, no doubt. Um, and, and Justin, your your thoughts. Um. Offensively, um, I'm going to go with Mac Mills, quarterback, South Carolina. Uh, he, he straight up – I mean, what can you not say positively? Um, the defense held down the fort, and he led this offense to a blowout win over Florida State. Um, not really much else you can say. I mean, he, he was responsible for seven touchdowns. Um, that, that's a huge statement. 62 points, ridiculous. 
And to throw 63 times, throw five touchdowns, complete 52 passes, and only throw one interception, really only make one mistake, that's impressive to me. Yeah. Uh, defensively, I'm also going to go with uh, Sidney Banks Jr., um, corner from Notre Dame. Um, n- not the most impressive uh, stat, stat, stat line. Couldn't get the word out of my mouth for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than pass deflections, he had a little bit of something in every category. Um, he had tackles. He had tackle for loss. He had sacks, interceptions, a defensive touchdown. And, and Notre Dame won the ball game. So uh, I, I think he de- he deserves a piece of the pie. Um, he was up for player of the week nomination for a reason so uh yeah yeah absolutely and for my picks man i'm, I'm gonna go with um man jesse colton from from ball state just played a phenomenal game uh i mean just when you when you when you, we talk about a, a true freshman qb coming into a brand to a team that maybe doesn't even have its real identity yet um, and nobody knows what it's going to look like. Um, what he was able to do against Nebraska was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, so that would be, that would have been my guy um, on the offensive side. And then when we look at the defense, man, it's really a two-man race. Um, Sidney Banks Jr. is just absolutely phenomenal with what he was able to do at Notre Dame. Um, great cornerback and, and definitely helped to slow the momentum and, and shift that momentum back into Notre Dame's favor. Um, and then the other one is Michael Kruger. I mean, when, when you talk about a defensive lineman, he's definitely one that people look to and say, hey, this guy's going to be great. And he just picked up where, where he's left off, and he's just a phenomenal um, defensive line. So those would be my picks. Now we're going to go into um, the last part of this segment, which is uh, just looking at give me your top two right now as it stands – um, top two teams in each conference uh, through week one, Josh. Oh, man, this is tough. I'm going to start debate 12 because I think it's the most clear cut. Um, you had Texas A&M that's leading that pack. Um, they are the Big 12 champs, and until they get dethroned, I, I have a hard time taking them off that spot at number one. And number two, I have LSU um, just because of the dominant way that they performed against Missouri. And uh, I think that's where they deserve to be at this moment. Um, SEC, uh, you know, I liked what Florida did. It's just, man, this is so hard right off the rip. SEC took a beating this week, though, too, man. They did. Only three teams got to win. I know. Um, only two I'm, of them. Only two of them have conference wins. Yeah. I'm gonna probably turn some heads. I'm gonna go Florida at number one right now, just because they have that conference win. And then I'm gonna put Auburn right behind them at number two. Even though Auburn's coming off a loss, um, I just trust Matt Pack, and I I trust this team, and they played a very very tight game, and, you know, you can't win them all. So, I'm going to go with Matt Pack. And okay. number two, the Auburn Tigers. 
Uh, switching over to the Big Ten, this is where things get hard because, you know, I want to be like, yeah, Notre Dame's number one. But um, realistically, I can't do that as Washington's number one. Um, number two is where it gets muddy. Yeah. Um, Oregon had a big win, but how much stock are we putting into Eastern Michigan at this point in time? Um, then you have Wisconsin, who beat Ohio State, has a conference win. You have Notre Dame, who's coming off a non-conference win. Uh, you have I feel like I'm missing people. I, I can't remember who's all in my own conference at the moment. Cause Michigan and Washington State. And, you know, Michigan and Washington State both coming off losses. Um, I'm going to go Washington one. And then I'm going to go for a tie for second. And it's going to be... Oregon and Notre Dame at this point. Okay. What about the Mac? The Mac, oh, man, talk about muddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you how do you grade teams that are going to be different the next time they play? <laughs> yep. Um, number one in the Mac, I'm gonna have Toledo without a shadow of a doubt, just because it's Toledo and they were dominant in their performance. Uh, number two, I'm gonna slide the Huskies in there. Just because they play a really good Ohio team that's very well coached. They have a great history of head coaches out there and they have good talent. And NIU did enough to win the ball game. So I'm going to put the Huskies at number two at the moment. Okay. No, solid picks. Um, Steven, give me your thoughts. Where do you see teams right now, the top two in each conference? Uh, I'll go in the order Josh went in. Um, in the Big 12, I'm going to put LSU up at the top at number one. And, uh, I can't I can't count Lyle Fletcher out ever, so I'm going to go with Oklahoma State at number two. I think they're balanced enough to really make a run this season. Okay. And the SEC, it, it's hard because it's way too soon to judge what a new team is, in my opinion. But... Uh, I'm going to go South Carolina and Florida at one and two. Um, I know the Florida state game was kind of uh, fluky in my opinion, but you still hung up 62 points and. Uh, oh, you used the F word. I, I, I think, I think Tom got unlucky, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. They they have it seems like they have a very powerful offense even if they're not playing sixty two to seven games all season long. They're I think that's a really good team. Um, the Big Ten is kind of <clears throat> murky, like Josh said, but I don't think Washington has the greatest offense in the world, but I think they have the best defense in the whole, entire league right now. You just and it, you play defense, huh? You just say that because you play defense. Yeah, but Washington's my rival. <laughs> they have they have so much talent on the offense or the defensive side of the ball. It's insane. Um, I don't think any team's going to be able to move the ball consistently against them. And if Elton Elton Bridges can do enough to uh, on the offensive side of the ball to 
score some points. I think they're going to be a very dangerous team down the line for anybody to play. But I number two, I'm going to go with USC um, with bringing Ryan Lenny back and Case Blazer and Radman Roberts. <clears throat> I, I think they're going to be a very dangerous team in the Big Ten. I think Notre Dame, Oregon, and Wisconsin are all up there as well. But I think the Big Ten this season is going to be a lot like the SEC in terms of uh, having to run through a gauntlet. And Mac, I'm going to agree with Josh as well, going with Toledo at number one, but I'm going to take a different turn at number two and go with Ball State. Um, They're going to be bringing back Taylor Stewart, who might be one of the best receivers in all of Mac. And – adding it to that receiving core is just going to be even more dangerous. And I don't think there's going to be any defense in the, in the Mac that's going to be able to really slow them down. And uh, while their defense might not be a strong suit, I don't think anybody's going to be able to keep up with them points wise. Okay. Well, great picks. Um, Justin, give me your, your, your thoughts on, on where you see the top two teams. in the All right. Um, I'll follow the same order, one through four. Um, I, I will say this, but before I give my picks, though, later in the season, just for example, I'll, I'll say a three and four team and a four and three team. Late in the season, it is possible to put a three and four team over a four and three team. Oh, did I just say four and three twice? I don't know. You get my point. Um, I think it's possible to put record-wise, a worse team ahead of a better team. But week one, I don't think it's I don't think it's technically correct to put an 0-1 team over a 1-0 team. No. Um, so, with that being said, all my 1-2 teams are 1-0. Um, but starting in the Big 12, I'm going to – I'm also going to start with my, my two seeds and then give my one seed. Okay. At number two, I have Texas at Um I mean, they put together a really good performance. And at number one, of course, I have LSU. No bias in that statement. It was just, I mean, you can't ignore the fact of just how good they went for us. Uh, in the SEC, number two, I have Florida. Um uh, I have them over Tennessee because of just how much growth you saw in one game between last season and this season for Florida. I think they are starting to get on the right track. And at number one, I have South Carolina. You can't – I don't think you can pass up that, that dominant win over Florida State. Uh, in the Big Ten, I have USC at number two. Um, I have questions about their ability to be able to finish games. Um, they kind of got lucky against Oklahoma turning the ball over and stuff. So I, I do have questions about them being able to finish games. But they were the number one team last year, and they won in week one. So you can't take too much away from them just because they didn't score points in the second half. So I have them number two. And number one, I have Notre Dame. I think out of the Big Ten, I think Notre Dame had the most established opponent. And they went out and handled business and won. So I think Notre Dame deserves number one in the Big Ten right now. And in the MAC, number two, I have Toledo. Uh, very good game. 
um, for the Rockets, and they 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 beat a very talented team in Bowling Green. And at number one, I have NIU. Again, no bias in the statement. I just feel like they're they're very much like Florida. You know, you you saw a lot of growth in just one game between last season and this season. Um, so I think being that's week one and there's a lot of quote-unquote undefeated teams. Uh, I just think you, you base it off of growth for teams like NIU in Florida, so I have NIU at number one. Okay. No, good solid picks. Um, so I'm going to give my thoughts um, on, on each one. And I'm going to go Big Ten first. Uh, so in, in the Big Ten, um, I, I think Washington played a, a hell of a game against Washington State. They definitely proved that uh, Washington's a, a team to watch out for in that conference. That's not to take away from Washington State because they played a phenomenal game as well. And that game's always going to be such a great game because of the rivalry. But if I got to pick a number one right now, it stands. I'm, I'm looking at Washington. And then when I look at number two, Notre Dame just – outstanding performance in their game and I got to put them above Oregon because Oregon played a Matt team and how much not not just to discredit EMU but how much of that game how much does that game uh, translate into into the conference play um, when I look at the Big 12, man, there's some really dominating programs in there when you look at Oklahoma State, LSU, Texas A&M. Um, so for me, when I, when I look at it, I got to put A&M number one just because they finished out uh, in, the, in the natty last season and they came out and they had a great win over Alabama. And, and in my opinion, they're number one until they're, they're, until they're beat. Um, but then you, you look at number two, and, and man, LSU is just head shoulders above, you know, head and shoulders above uh, the rest, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that they just what LSU did in that game against Missouri was just uh, sort of just an amazing performance. Um, I mean, top to bottom, offense, defense, they played one of the best games I've seen LSU play since I, since I've been here. Uh, so, I mean, kudos to both the offense and defense on LSU. And when I look at the SEC, man, there's just so many talented teams there. When you, when you bring Tennessee into the line of Florida, Clemson, even, even though they took the loss, um, they, they still played such a phenomenal game, but I, I got to say South Carolina at number one. Um, and then I'll put, um, then I'll put Florida at number two, um, and, and it's just that's a tough one. Um, probably more tough than than the other two in my opinion. And when we go into the MAC, uh, I think NIU their performance, um, and like you said, growth wise, uh, man, NIU just looked very dominant. Uh, offensively, defensively, they've got some, some tweaking to do, but uh, man, what a great, great game that they did, uh, that they did. So I got NIU at number one and then I'll, I'll put Toledo at number two. Um, and, and that one's just so close. 
you know, on who, you literally could flip those and I wouldn't be upset with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just those teams, the way they played was lights out. The, the Max is going to be fun and interesting yet again this season. Um, so that's going to wrap up this segment, uh, this episode. Um, you know, I just want to take the time, Stephen, Josh, Justin, I greatly appreciate y'all being here, being a part of this and, and giving some feedback and, and uh, some content for the, the league to, to listen in on. And, and maybe we, we, we ruffle some feathers or maybe we made people rethink some things and, and hopefully shed some light and, you know, different perspectives and different viewpoints on, on how these games went. Um, so again, all three of y'all, I greatly appreciate y'all being here and, and, and Man, I love I love this stuff. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. Appreciate having me on. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Y'all have a great night. Go listen um, to any other podcast that comes out. Hopefully, fourth inches and minor leaguers can get some some content out this week as well. And uh, you know, tune into Inside Blitz on Monday. Thanks for being here. See y'all this coming week. All right, welcome to a special edition of Cover 3. I don't have either one of my co-hosts tonight, Tyler and Steven, um, are both out. Um, however, I do have one of the co-hosts of Fourth and Inches, and then one of the other co-hosts of the Minor Leaguer. So, Wookie and JMJ, welcome to the show. Glad to have you both on here. How y'all feeling tonight? I'm feeling good, man. Happy to be here. Happy to be back on a podcast. Been a crazy week one. Can't wait to dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. I'm glad to be here. Also, I've been wanting to come on Cover Three for a really long time. So, ah, uh, man, it's my pleasure to have both of you on here. Um, so you know, we want to dive in, recap week one, go over um some players that really have some standout games, both offensively, defensively people that we think that might show up on the the uh, well they're already out there now at this point players of the week but people that you know before it came out some people we thought would would probably be there maybe they ended up there maybe they didn't uh and then go into sort of how we see the conferences playing out as, as it stands right now where where people rack and stack within their conferences so you know, we, we opened up with a great game of Tennessee versus Boise State. Um, going back to the roots of, of first game of season one, and it sort of felt right going into week uh, or season 11, week one, having those two up. Um, you know, Wookie, give me your thoughts on that game. How did you see that game going, and did it turn out to be sort of the kind of game you expected it to be? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I know Kane Elliott's a good game planner. I went up against him in the Mac last year, and, you know, he ran no shot through the Mac. So I knew it was going to be a good game. Both teams, talent wise, are very, very similar. Um, and Tennessee was missing their star running back. So, so for Tennessee to be even more dangerous going down the road, for sure, that teams are going to be circling them on their schedule. But yeah, the game went similar to what I thought. Uh, Clutch is a great game playing around, so seeing them jump out to the lead they did uh, didn't really surprise me. Um, and we all know the great comeback by Tennessee, but 
yeah, I mean, either team could have won that game. And, you know, it just comes down to it's hard to win in this league. It really is. Absolutely. You know, and that was a tough comeback and a great comeback by Tennessee, even being down their halfback who was suspended for, for week one, Mojo Ryzen. Um, JMJ, give me your thoughts on how Tennessee's looking. How did they look in that game against Boise State, even even not having their, their starting halfback? I mean, I don't even know where to begin, honestly. Because Tennessee's just so good, like, really. Um, you know, like you are talking about the, the fancy little comeback they had. Um, you, you look at the Tennessee roster, um, at least some of it is coming from Ohio. You got Ohio, an Ohio head coach. Everybody's coming out of the MAC. And week one against Boise State, even though, yes, this team, pretty much this team anyways, um, beat a Power 3 school last year while in the MAC. But you had to question, um, could they carry the same success that they had at Ohio into, like, a full-time Power 3 schedule? And so week one against Boise State was a statement game for Tennessee. And for me, it's kind of hard to look at the entire game and point out exactly what they did. Great. Um, But they – all I can say is that they just went out and found a way to win. And, I mean, that that's what's good about this Tennessee team. No, absolutely. You know, and, and we talk about missing Mojo um, in that game and how impactful that can be for a team like Tennessee where he's such a stud and such a star and such an impact player for that program. Now you have pretty much nothing but the, the ability to pass the ball, and, and you got um, Harris who goes on, uh, Harrison Murray who goes on to throw for over 600 passing yards in that game um, and makes them more or less one-dimensional in that game because of the fact that they don't have mojo. Um, what I took from that game is – the grit, the the continuation of not wanting to quit, even when they're down by, I think they were down at 21 points at one point. That's a hard comeback to come from. And that defense really stepped it up in the second half and allowed them to, to put themselves in a position to, to win that game, uh, even with the, the handicaps that they had. So Tennessee, great game. Super proud of you guys. Ready to see y'all, what y'all do the rest of the season. Now we move on to, um, what do they call it, the, the Apple Bowl, the Stern Bowl, whatever you want to call it. Um, Washington, Washington State. Two brand new teams coming into the league. No idea what they're going to look like um, outside of just looking at the rosters. Give me your thoughts, Woody, on, on that game. Um. This is one of those games where I kind of put, like, week one on it because we both know, all of us know that both Stearns are very capable of winning the game, any game yeah. that's on their schedule. So 
So I don't look at that 31 to 13 score and I'm like, well, obviously Washington has to be that much better than Washington State. But I just don't believe that's the case. Um, I think that it came down to the one. I never know quite what you're going to get. And anybody that's counting out the Cougars right now is crazy because, if anything, Ted Sir's going to come back with a legend next week. But uh, Will's riding that high, man. He's, he's still riding that wave of momentum that he picked up last year when he won the national championship with Ohio State. And didn't show any signs of slowing down. So it's going to be going to be fun Big Ten competition. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think you nailed it on the head. It, it's one of those games you got to put an asterisk by. It's week one, two brand-new teams, but two very experienced ADs. Um, both coming from great programs who had a lot of success last season, but building a brand two brand new teams from scratch is, is very difficult. Um, I mean, Wookie, you had to do it when you took over NIU back in season ten, uh, or excuse me, season nine, and then you know, so we understand that experience of having to do that. So you, you sort of got to put the asterisk there. Um, so, you know, James J., give me your thoughts on that game. What did you take away from both these teams uh, after that game? Well, l- like Josh said, it's week one, and everybody in the league that's been here long enough, everybody knows that the Stearns are both capable of winning. Um, I mean, one of them's coming off a national championship. One of them's coming off a number one seed in the league. So, it's obvious they know how to win, and th- this is this was just a case of two really talented teams playing each other in week one, and they don't even know anything about themselves yet. And so somebody had to win, somebody had to lose. Um, I think it was a little bit of uh, week one, just early season struggles for Thrasher Baines. Um, he was off and on all throughout the game. I know he threw that pick in the end zone. It's just stuff like that that was the difference maker in this game. And that's just stuff that will change throughout the season. Um, those those late drive mistakes will go away. Um, and like Josh said earlier also, Ted Sturman found find a way to bounce back. Um, but a great win by Washington. They went out, handled business, and uh, just ran away with it. It was pretty much Washington the entire game. So, yeah, and, and I think you're right on that. You know, these being both brand new teams, building brand new rosters. They, these guys got to get settled in into the roster. They got to build that chemistry with their players on the field, and and just sort of get into their groove. And you know, I expect big things out of both those programs this season. Uh, moving on to Alabama versus Texas A and M. Now, this was a playoff uh, game last season in the playoffs. And, um, you know, Alabama played a great game against A&M in that game. A&M, uh, want to say it was a, that was the one where A&M was up by quite a bit and Alabama started making a comeback on it. You know, yeah. what he did. And you being a former player for A&M, how do you see them looking this season? Or did they fall off? Were they better? Are they about the same? Or did they remain their consistency? And, and how's that Alabama team looking this season? 
oh, Alabama is who Alabama is. They're going to throw the ball, and they're going <clears> to throw it a lot. And you're either going to live by that or going to die by that. On Tuesday night, they, they died by it. You know, it's just you come down, you come against the defense, and knows what you're going to do. You kind of put yourself in the hole before you even play the game. Cause it makes it very easy to, you know, the game plan for you. You sit back in a nice zone coverage and let the chips fall where they may. As far as Texas A&M, believe it or not, I'm going to say they look better than they did in season 10. They, offensively, they look a lot more explosive. Um, Jared Snyder had a big game. Ty Dixon had a big game, 167 on the ground, I believe. And the, the addition of Justin Jackson, the quarterback, um, with the explosiveness he has in both his arm and his leg, not to say that Jimmy Tremaine wasn't an athlete, he was, but he was not an elite athlete the way that Justin Jackson is. So I think A&M is better than they were last year, and I think they're going to be a problem for the Big 12 once again. Absolutely. And, and, you know, you, you talk about Ty Dixon having a great game, 167 rushes, 30 or 167 rushing yards, 31 carries for three touchdowns. That's a big game, and that's relying a lot on the running game. I mean, super heavy when you talk 31 rushes from your halfback. Um, you know, JMJ, tell me, does A&M continue to rely on their running game moving forward? Um, and give me a little bit of your thoughts on on this Alabama Texas A and M game. Um, so speaking from experience, as a quarterback, um, let me find the words I'm looking for. Um, as a quarterback, your your job is to put your offense, pretty much your team, in the best best position to win as you uh-huh. can. That that's that's your job as a quarterback. It's not to go out and make make it like make some highlight real type of play every single snap. Granted that would help. But your job is to listen to what the coaches are calling. Go out there, run the play, make it happen. Whatever Texas A&M is doing, it's working. It, it, it worked week one. See if it works week two. I don't think they need to change anything because this is the game that was really close in the playoffs. Yeah. And that scoreboard looks a lot better. And it, it, it was, again, pretty much like the Washington-Wazoo game. It was pretty much all Texas A&M. I don't, and this is a, a very talented Alabama team. This is an Alabama team that, for the last couple seasons, I have not personally been high on. I thought, you know, they weren't as good as people were making them out to be, and then they turned around and made the playoffs last year and won the conference, I believe. If I, I may be wrong, but. They, they went out and made a huge statement, proved me wrong. And so I have all the respect in the world for Alabama now. This is a very talented team that Texas A&M came out and played like that against. And Josh said that Texas A&M looks better. The, the question for me is, though, was it uh, – were, were they better 
or did they look better or were they just more prepared? Either way, both teams look good. Texas A&M does look dangerous, though. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I was riding high on A&M last season. Um, you know, pre- preseason, I, I ranked A&M really high. Um, and then coming off with, with a two law, you know, two back to back losses, um, starting out 0 and 2, going 2 and 8. Um, to begin, you know, when you say 2 and 8, uh, I refer to when they first came into the season, uh, season nine. They went 2 and 8 all the way up until week two of last season. And then they go on a tear and win their conference and they go on into the playoffs. They make it all the way to the natty. And now here we are week one of season 11 and they look really impressive. And the thing I like most is you've got a halfback like Ty Dixon, use him. And that was my frustration back in season nine and season eight, season 10 is it almost seemed like they didn't use him to his full capabilities now it looks like they're, they are, and, and it's great to be able to see somebody like Ty Dixon get the kind of uh, love that, that he got in that game. So outstanding performance by Ty Dixon and, and A&M as a whole. And you're right, Alabama being a playoff team last season and coming out in this game, I don't think they've lost anything. Still a great wide receiver core, NWO for a reason. Um, and I expect Alabama to be able to, you know, bounce back and, and figure out their game planning and, you know, come out. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> they, they can uh, chill on that until week three. <laughs> until week three. Yeah. That's right, because y'all got them coming up this week. So that's going to be a great game. They also going to be Irish faithful. We'll have Alabama and South Bend, Indiana. That's right. That's going to be a game to watch. So if you're going to, if, you're, if there's a game to watch, that's going to be a really good one to watch, and that's going to be a hard one to pick in the weekly pickums. Um, and then you know, <laughs> sports betting. When we talk about sports betting, it's like, man, I want to know what the lines are going to be like. Do I really want to bet this way or do I want to bet that way? So it's going to be really interesting to see how that one turns, um, how that one comes up. So we move on to the next game, which was EMU at Oregon. And this was actually a very surprise. I wouldn't say surprising. EMU looked just as good as what they did last season. Um, Oregon's still a top-notch team. And, man, that game was just exciting to watch. Because I want to say at half it was tied up. If I'm wrong, correct me, but... It was pretty close at halftime. Um, what, what's your takeaways from that game? What did you see in that game, Wookie? Um, I saw Oregon finally kind of live up to some of the potential that we've been talking about the last couple seasons with them. Eastern Michigan has a great squad, man. Um, they're yeah. going to be one of my favorites to win the MAC. Just based on uh, Willie's experience now, he has a season of game planning under his belt, and he has a stud roster up there. I know they're excited to debut that gray field, and I can't wait to see it. But Oregon has playmakers, and they've had playmakers for a while now. And it's, I think if they can keep rolling the way they looked on Tuesday night, that they're going to be a dangerous team in the Big Ten. Um 
they got the new quarterback and candidate, and he looked great. Their offense was clicking. Their defense looks explosive with all three long trees on the same field now with 2-2 and yeah. Jedediah and Puma all playing defense. I mean, that's just how do you how do you go up against that and be like, well, all right, a long tree's going to hit me on this play no matter what. <laughs> Who do you go after? Yeah. Two time or three time defensive player of the year and Jedediah Laundry and you now you have two two and Puma. I mean, it's just it's unfair. <laughs> Cheat code, right? Yeah, it's that's unfair. Puma's got wheels, so no matter how fast your receiver is, I mean he's gonna have feet on him like a blanket. Oh yeah. No, and James J, you played um in the Mac last season. You played EMU. Um, as a quarterback, and you move to move out uh, of there. And you, what's up? So he beat EMU as a quarterback. He did. He beat EMU as a QB. Um, so I lead into the question: You've played against this EMU squad. You played against Willie D as a head coach. Seeing them play the way they did in Oregon is that surprising to you? Or was that, no, nah, that's sort of what I expected EMU to do. And then give me your thoughts a little bit about that game. Well, the one thing I, I have noticed about Willie, the one thing I like about Willie as a head coach, is he, he never really sticks to one thing. Like he may run, the, run a couple things kind of similar the same way. Um, in his numbers or whatever is the term for y'all head coaches and ADs, um, whatever terms y'all use, he, he may run a couple of things kind of similar between weeks here and there, things over and over again. But it, overall, it's never really the same thing. So the defense at times is a little bit unpredictable. Um, the offense has the ability to be, you know, very push the ball down the field. At the same time, they could just sit back and slow the game down. So that's what I like about Willie. And and also that's, that's what makes it hard um, because you really don't know what to expect. And so th- that's why when I watch EMU play, I don't really have any expectations in the game. I have respect for Willie and EMU. So I'm always pulling for him, you know, unless they play myself or NIU. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, as far as what I expected, I really didn't have any expectations for this game. I, I do, however, for Oregon's sake, just how talented that roster is, it's like they build up every year. They get more and more talent. And if I'm not mistaken, this is a game that they lost last year. And so this was a very good redemption matchup for the Ducks. And that was my favorite part about this game is that Oregon's like, all right, you beat us last time, not this time. And yeah, they just came out, smacked them around a little bit and uh, sent them off back home. Yeah, um, I I don't remember if Oregon and EMU played. I know EMU and Texas A&M played last season, and EMU beat A&M. 
I'm not positive if Ian and EMU and Oregon played last season. But, you know, absolutely. I mean, Oregon played did play a great game last season with a, a MAC team. Um, and I do want to say they lost their MAC game. Um, but, you know, I, I think both of y'all hit it on, on the head with this. This was an intriguing matchup. Um, gave a lot – you have an, an experienced head coach coming in who – Finished out second in the MAC last season. He ran a great program. Um, and then you've got Frosty at Oregon, who just constantly, some way, somehow finds top talent to bring into this program. And just every season looks like they didn't lose anything and all they've done is gain more and more talent. Um, so a great game by, by both those squads. Both of them should be very proud of how they play. So for EMU, great job. Great game. You made it competitive. You made a great matchup, something that everybody wanted to see, and we're super, we're super proud of you, at least from my standpoint. I'm very proud of what they did. Oregon came up, coming away with a solid, solid win against a very, very talented EMU and a very uh, high level of game planning from EMU's uh, head coaching staff. So great job to both those programs. Now we move on to – this one did not go the way I thought it was going to go. Um, Ball State at Nebraska. I really thought this was going to be just a domination by Nebraska, and that's just based off what, the experience of what Ball State's done over the last two seasons. I know they got a new head coach. I know they've had to go out and find new weapons and new playmakers. And Ball State does not look like the same Ball State from last season. Offensively, no. they were phenomenal against what many would consider over the last few seasons, Nebraska being one of the top five defenses in, in the league. So give me your thoughts on that real quick, um, uh, Josh. And, and, you know, we are joined by Stephen Brady, who just popped in. So welcome, Stephen. Glad to be here. Man, it's, a, it's a awesome to have both of the minor leaguers up in here. Yep. Um, so we will get to you in just a minute, Stephen, but I got to get Wookie's thoughts on this game because, you know, being a head coach last season and we understand how important uh, that Natty Light Championship or what was it, the PBR, right? PBR oh, man. There it is, PBR Championship with Ball State. Um, does Ball yeah, State look better? Ball State looks a thousand times better than what they had, and that's no disrespect to DSP. He knows he's my boy, uh, but you know it almost seems like at some points that he just he didn't game plan until week eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what it it always seemed like the last few seasons. Like, oh, I'm just gonna you know make everybody think I suck, and then week eight and come out and kick pussy fast. But uh, no, Ball State looked great. Um, unfortunately. When you score 55 and you give up 77, um, you're not going to win too many games like that. So they got to figure out that defense. Offensively, they're explosive, but um, it's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys syndrome. If you can score 40, but your opponent scores 50, I mean, what's the point of scoring 40? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, Courtney as, Harris, come on, man. Yeah, Courtney Harris, you know, shattering records that will probably never be broken with a. Half a century mark, and uh, uh, and you know, 
one game. You know, that's just crazy. Five hundred seven rushing touchdowns to add to it. Yeah, I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, we all know Courtney Harris can run, but like, come on, dude, save some yards for the rest of us. Take your Player of the Week award and just be happy with it. I mean, <laughs> exactly. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to do them like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was it? Five hundred and twenty rushing yards. Something like that, yeah. But as far as Nebraska's defense, they did lose some pieces on that defense. You know, Ray Tate uh, moving on to the pro league, and he was a big factor. JoJo Salizzi uh, ending up in Washington in the transfer portal. So they did lose a couple of their leaders on defense, and it might take them some time to adjust. But that 55 points given up, regardless of how talented uh, Max School is, when you're allowing a, a Max School to give – to hang 55 on you, and that's a little a little bit concerning. So we'll see what they do to kind of sure up um, that defense a little bit. No, absolutely. You know, Steven, I'm going to get to you on this one. As a defensive uh, player, um, when you look at a, a, a team like Nebraska, who's always had sort of a top-notch defense, giving up 55 is a lot. Um, what are your thoughts? So the thing is, as soon as I saw Ball State took um, Washington State's playbook, I knew that they had a chance to um, put up some big numbers. And they even did this without their best player, Taylor Stewart, who had to sit out week one. But with the Washington State playbook, you basically have to plan it exactly, exactly perfect for your defense to play well from what I saw running Sims early on in the season. And when you have a bunch of weapons on the offensive side of the ball and you have a quarterback that can distribute the ball well, I think they will give most defenses fits, regardless of how talented they are on the other side of the ball. And then on the Ball ball State side of things defensively, they only have seven players on the defensive side of the ball right now. So can't really give them too much of a hard time because that's basically showing that uh, the Power 3 left the MAC basically with the scraps at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. And James J, I mean, you playing against Ball State, y'all didn't get the PBR last season against Ball State, but does this team look better to you? Like, is this a team that could go on and, and potentially win the match? Well, for, for starters, we don't talk about the PBR belt, okay? We don't talk about sitting in the line of scrimmage for 30 seconds. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, wow. Okay. That took my mind way off. Um, <laughs> my thing with this Ball State team is their offense definitely took strides in the right direction. For me, though, right now, it's hard to say whether or not they actually like they're going to start to look better each week for the simple reason I say that is because every game they played in last year every single one of them major or out of the seven I'm going to guess it was about five about five games well I'll give them the benefit of that I'll go with four I'm going to guess four games they they lost by multiple scores. Yeah. But in every single one of the games, they scored points. Yeah. 
their offense was a big issue last year because their defense gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to go in the ball game, and they just couldn't get it done. Their Oliver Rolone was he wasn't being smart with the football. He he wasn't turning the ball over that much. He just wasn't hitting his receivers. He he, he was making too many mistakes. It's like he was playing nervous. That's the bright side now. That's where you can see growth. Oliver Rolone looked better. The entire offense looked better. So is this a step in the right direction? Yes, probably. But it's just hard for me to say right now whether or not this offense and this team is going to look better because this is what you saw last year was Ball State score a ton of points and find a way to lose. Yeah, most games they did. Uh, we won't talk about that Miami Ohio game. <laughs> and it's actually not. Jesse Colton at quarterback for uh, Ball State now, not Oliver yeah. Rolone. Yeah, Rolone moved on. Uh, oh yeah, but, uh, Colton. Colton looked phenomenal. I'm sorry, I, I I work third shift, man. Now I'm tired all the time. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, Colton, man. I mean, he looked to be, in my opinion. He looked to be the best QB in the MAC at this very moment. I'm not. I'm not throwing shade on on any of the QBs in the MAC. Um, you know, I got a lot of love for Bowling Green's QB, um, Curtis Andrews, but man, freshman QB coming out and playing a, a game like that just outstanding job. Um, I, I do expect a lot out of them, uh, just from what they showed me this week. Moving on to the next game was Texas versus Michigan at Texas. Um, what a game that really turned out to be. Uh, did it sort of go the way we thought it did? Uh, should have. Um, what are your thoughts, you know, Josh, on on the Vito Papino and, and and this Texas team? Well, it raises the infamous question. Is Texas back? I think it's to be determined. Um, Michigan's a team that they're always like this. They, they're always in games like this where they play tough, they play competitive, they play their hearts out, but they just end up on the short end of the scoreboard. So I don't know about how much faith I can put into is Texas back after week one performance where, yeah, that was a great game. And both teams went back and forth. And Vito Papino looked like Vito Papino again. And he has all these weapons. And the defense played well for Texas. And, you know, and Michigan looked good as well. But, like I said, it's week one. It's hard to put too much stock into any team at this point. But, you know, it was a great game. And I think both teams have a chance to be fairly successful. But they're both in very tough conferences, so it's not yeah. like they have a cakewalk either. So they're going to have to prove it week in and week out. Absolutely. Uh, Steven, um, what are your thoughts on that game? Did it go the way you thought it would? Uh, I think it went pretty pretty close to where I thought it would. I mean, it reminded me of a lot of uh, Texas last season where they started out slow and then had to fight back at the very end. But what stuck out to me was last season, Michigan had an issue with identity. They would either try to run the ball a lot or pass the ball a lot, but it seemed like uh, 
um, Horns kind of put a game plan in a place that was a little more balanced this, uh, for this game. So I do think Michigan's still going to be a good team. Maybe if they get a little more aggressive on offense, they'll uh, put themselves in a few more positions to win. But I I mean, you can't really ever count out Vito Pepino. And then, you know, Juby is a good game planner. So mm-hmm. if, uh, if they can get going in games a little bit earlier, I think this will be a very dangerous Texas team. No doubt. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Frozone, give me your thoughts uh, as we close out this portion of uh, that that game. JMJ, are you there? All right. I guess we're going to move on. Oh, he dropped off. So we're going to move on to the Wisconsin-OSU game. And this was in – Absolutely amazing game. Wisconsin pulls it off by one point. Final score, 34-33. Man, it's so hard to bring in a brand-new team, build a brand-new roster, and come out and beat the defending national champions. Um, Josh, give me your thoughts on, on, on that game and how important of a statement game is that for a team like Wisconsin? Oh, no, it was classic Big Ten, Big Ten football. I mean, smash mouth in each other's face. Uh, both teams looked, looked good at points. Both teams struggled at points. And it was just an example of you keep fighting through it and good things will happen. And, you know, Wisconsin really impressed me. I had Ohio State pick to win that game. Uh, but you can't count out Lee J, man. He's an experienced game planner. He's this is his second year as an AD. He's at the school that he loves and the school he wanted to be at, and he has the Anthony Jones at quarterback. So that definitely helps things out when you have a guy of his ability swinging the rock for you. Um, as far as Ohio State, I think they're fine. I don't think there's any need to hit a panic button after you know one division, one conference loss, especially in a game like that where it could have went either way, and I would have been happy, but. Uh, yeah, it was a great game, perfect example of the talent level we have here in the CFSL and how close the league is when it comes to talent level. No team in the league is going to outshine the other in that category. So very exciting, very, very competitive game. And, yeah, I think that was on terms for game of the week. Oh, absolutely. And, Steven, we talked about that final score, 34-31. Over I mean, the defending national champions. Like, is that it really a statement game? I think so. I mean, at the same time, you have to look at the fact that you have a, a new AD and a basically completely new roster at Ohio State. Um, I was a little bit worried about Wisconsin, to be honest. Um, I didn't know if Lee J was going to try to put in the same style of offense he was running at Clemson and go run heavy, especially when you have a guy like uh, Hex Mafia who you know is going to come in and pack up his player every season at running back. But uh, I think both these offenses look great. Blake Hood played phenomenal in the MAC last season, and he came to the power three and put up a big game. He struggled turning the ball over a little bit. But uh, I was really impressed with DeAnthony Jones once he started catching fire a little bit later on in that game. Uh, definitely seemed like he caught his rhythm towards the end. Uh, 
which can be dangerous because that can lead him over into the Nets game, you know. So it's definitely something to watch out for. Um, so, James J., we got you back. Glad to have you back here with us. Um, Michigan, OSU, what you think, man? All right. Um, yeah, we'll try this again. Uh, I was walking upstairs, I muted my mic, and then it wouldn't unmute. So, um, this is this is just a big old question mark to me. Um, like Stephen says, it's pretty much a brand new team at OSU. A different AD. You, you, that that's that loss right there is simply getting a feel for the power three. That's all it is. Wisconsin played a great game, not taking anything away from that. But um they squeaked by. I I think there's a very, very, very bright future for this Ohio State team. Um it it was just a good game. Just a good game, very close game, anybody's ball game, really, and uh, <laughs> found a way to get a win. But it, it's just a big question mark, being that it's week one with a brand new team, Ohio State, and yeah, it, it's it's just crazy. It, I I don't want to say what I what I'm <laughs> thinking about saying because that's gonna sound, <laughs> but. Yeah, it, it, this game just raises a lot of questions. Okay. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think there's some question marks around that could be put on both, uh, maybe a little bit on both teams. But great game by both of those. Super proud of uh, and very excited for how that game just went. It was exciting the whole game. And, and <clears throat> that's things that I look for in a game. And when I sit down and watch them, I want to see excitement. I don't want to see a – 75 to three at the end of it, because you're just like, ah, that really wasn't all that exciting. Um, so we're going to wrap that one up and move on to the Nets game that was played. And that was university of Florida at Clemson. And this, this turned out, you know, listening to a lot of the early sort of predictions from several players, you know, several players on inside blitz that, that were on that podcast, talked about how Clemson looks like they could be a contender for the playoffs or even a contender to be a top-notch team in the SEC. Um, Florida come out and played a hell of a game against an extremely talented and extremely capable Clemson. And that game just went lights out, was super exciting, had flashes where the offense did really great, had flashes where defense really did great on both teams. Uh, you know, Josh, give me your thoughts on on that Florida Clemson game. SEC football. <laughs> I mean, yeah, welcome to it, right? Yeah, welcome to it. I mean, it's a gauntlet. Uh, I had the pleasure of playing two seasons in the SEC, and I was happy when I was able to leave the SEC because it's a it's a no win. Uh, you you're gonna play the best of the best every single week, and you know it, it's rough. And you're going to have games like that where you can do <clears throat> nothing wrong and your game plan can be perfect and you can, you know, execute everything you want to execute and you can still lose. I mean, I think that's what happened to Clemson. I think Clemson's going to be all right. 
I think they're going to have a great season and they're going to be contenders in the SEC. But I think Florida's for real as well. So it's going to be going to be an interesting gauntlet in the SEC for sure. Oh, no doubt. Um, and you got great teams in the SEC. You know, so Stephen, when we look at programs like Florida, who who went zero and eight last season, and they come out, is this a statement game for those players that are returning back, saying, "Hey, look, we're not the same team as last season"? Um, and did they play to the potential of what that roster looks like? Uh, I'm not going to say they played completely to the potential. I think you guys or Florida really has a high ceiling this season. Um, Honestly, I think both these teams are contenders in the SEC. They're going to be very, very good up to the end of the season. I think Clemson just played a more balanced game plan. and uh, Or not Clemson, Florida played a more balanced game plan. And uh, at the end of the day, I think Dylan Tate's turnovers hurt him. Um, Florida did a really good job against the run. Uh, you know that Bo Hunter is going to be a very good running back in this league, and you held him to... 90 yards, right? Something like, yeah, 91 yards. And uh, that's a very talented offense. And, you know, Bo Diddle and Ray Ray are going to have all those players pumped to play every single week. But you uh, you had a, a statement to make after Florida struggles last season. And I think uh, you guys did a really great job. Um, Ronnie Blevins played a very efficient game. And then Doc Smith was a monster in that backfield. Yeah. Now, I got to give a lot of credit to Doc. 17 rushes, 147 rushing yards. Uh, unfortunately, no touchdowns for uh, 147. When you when you think somebody gets 147 rushing yards, you think there's a touchdown in there somewhere. But uh, unfortunately, uh, I think Ronnie just said, no, nah, I'm going to run this in instead. Um, you know, Justin, you, know, you got to give me your thoughts on this game. Man, both of these these teams looked really, really determined and, and played a hell of a game against each other. What are your thoughts, man? Uh, like Steve said, turnovers. Turnovers lost this game for Clemson 100%. That, that was the downfall, or that's what I have to say about Clemson. That's, they, they lost a lot. They, they lost a lot for it going out of season 10. Coming yeah. into season 11, they failed pretty much just about every spot that they lost and had a very good offseason. So I was excited to see what Clemson was going to do. On the other sideline, though, this Florida team, brand new AD. Um, congratulations, by the way. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. Brand new AD. Coming in, coming off an 0 8 season. You asked Steven about the guys returning. Them guys are hungry. They want to win, and that's what they went out and did. They went out and won a ball game. My my issue here is is again the turnovers. Dylan Tate's two interceptions. They had 15 points in the fourth quarter alone. They were making a surge to get back into this ball game, or they did get back in the ball game. But they were, yeah. were going to have an opportunity to win. And in the end, though, just free possessions for Florida is what won the game. And you got to credit the entire Florida roster also because that, that was a very well put together team win. Yeah. I look forward to seeing what both of these teams are going to do 
the rest of the season. No, absolutely. And, and I know Ray and, and Bo are, are both going to get back into game planning, and they're going to come out in, in week two. And uh, whoever they play, I'm not positive exactly who they're playing, but it's going to be um, – there's going to be a chip on, on Clemson's shoulder in that game. And, and I feel bad for whoever they got to end up playing. Um, and so we move on to this next game, which was NIU versus Ohio. Um, and it turned out to be really great. And, man, you know, NIU just – they've got some weapons. And, and Amanda B is one of them who had just a phenomenal game. Um you know, as a former head coach at NIU, um, seeing a lot of these players and how they sort of just played this game, give me your thoughts, Wookie, on, on, on your former your former program. Um, uh, NIU looked amazing. Uh, their offense clicked. Amanda B had a great had a great first game, um, and they got some revenge on a, a rival that is Ohio. So, I always love to see it and. Look forward to seeing what uh, NIU has in store for us further. And I think it's going to be a very competitive max season this year. There's a lot of talent. Absolutely. And so, Stephen, when you look at the kind of talent that NIU's got, they, they probably have one of the best rosters, um, just pure talent-wise. Um, so I, I'll be honest a little bit. I, I was a little disappointed in NIU to an extent, but, you know, they still put up a, a, just a ton of yards and a ton of, a ton of points um, and, and won that game. Is that credit to, to Ohio's defense, you know? Steven. Yes. So I think Ohio is also a very talented team. They've got a really good offense. And uh, NIU, NIU might have some things to tweak on the defensive side of the ball, but overall both these teams look great. Um, I mean – I think the crown jewel of this NIU class was probably Manuel Silva, championship yeah. winning running back coming over from Ohio State. And he, uh, they really relied on him running the ball for 32 times for 146 yards and two touchdowns. I think both these teams are going to be key players in the MAC, but uh, I think NIU might be up there as one of the best at the moment. Yeah. So, James Jay, as the departing. QB for, for NIU. Are you impressed with what they were able to do, able to move the ball through the air? Um, and and was, how, how important was that game as a former player there? How important is that game for NIU? Oh, that, that was a big win. Um, it, it don't matter who's the head coach, who's on the roster. Ohio is going to be a tough team to beat. And NIU did it week one, too. So, yeah. um, that that's just a huge uh, confidence booster, a huge statement moving forward. I'm impressed with Jim Carr, 100%. Um, me and Josh coming from NIU, his time there, my time there, it was a running offense, and you didn't see, you didn't, you didn't see, or I don't know about before my time there, but. With me, you didn't see 400-yard passing games because we didn't throw the ball that often. But I'm very impressed with what Jim Carr was able to do. Um, 
he took care of the football and went out and got the job done. Um, the only negative thing I would have to say about the offensive game plan, or not even really the game plan, just the game itself, I would like to see NIU spread the ball out a little bit more. Um, they, they only had three receivers that had more than one or more than zero receptions. Um, so that's the only thing I would really like to see, just spread the ball out a little bit more and uh, really open things up. And you got yourself a, a dangerous offense there. On, on, the, yeah. on the defensive side, I think I think the defense played amazing. Um, you know, they, they, gave up, they gave up quite a bit of points themselves, but everybody played a part. And I, I don't think I don't, I don't looking into a head coach perspective. I, I don't think you you could ask more out of players than to just everybody do your job, and then when you win, it just makes it ten times better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we move on to the next game, and this one just um, this was another surprising game for me. It's one that I thought would probably be a little bit closer than what it was. Um, and that that's not a shot at, you know, Kickler or his team um, and more of a testament made to Florida State and what they're capable of doing. Um, but South Carolina at Florida State, 62 to 7, the final score. I mean, they gave up one touchdown defensively. Josh, does, does South Carolina look like the real deal? Do they look like the team to beat in the SEC um, and, and potentially the team to be in in the, the, the power three? Uh, yes and no. Um, they had a great game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, they came out and they were dynamic and they were on fire. And But it's week one. So yep. you, I'd never, I'd, I never know how to really take a team. Um, especially FSU. I in season eight, uh, FSU, you know, got uh, beat pretty bad by Clemson, and they still went on to make the playoff. So I wouldn't count FSU or Tom out quite yet. I mean, Tom has a he's in a great AD, and he always finds a way to bring that team back. So I think they'll yeah. be they'll be quite all right. And, and when you talk about Florida State, they and you know, in this league, Florida State's sort of known for their linebacker core. Um, and, and losing the Kumatalok uh, definitely hurts. Um, you know, Stephen, is that sort of the key piece in this game? Was losing such an impactful player, or was there more to it for Florida State? I think there was more to it. I mean, Akuma Talok is a great, an all-time great linebacker, but uh, they still have Kyoko Winter, and he's a pretty solid dude himself. Yeah. Um, I, I think this came down to a very unlucky game plan for Tom. Um, maybe Kickler went in a direction that wasn't really expected, and. Uh, I, I just don't think the game plans really matched up. I think I think I know what happened on the Florida State side offensively, just from what uh, the Sims I've ran so far this season. 
and it's a very fixable issue. So uh, I think this Florida State team is still primed for a great season. I just think they had a rough week one matchup. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and JMJ, you know, coming into this game, what were your thoughts on this game? How did you view this game going? I mean, obviously, I, I'm going to assume that it, it didn't go probably exactly how you went. What would you give advice to Florida State? Uh, or what advice would you give to that team? So, this game went exactly how I thought it was going to go, actually. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Reason I say that is because Florida State started off 3-0 and last year. And then just kind of dropped the ball after that. This year, they get a South Carolina team that's coming in ready to turn some heads. So I expected South Carolina to come out and light up the scoreboard. And I knew if one thing happened, then Florida State was going to be in some trouble. And that was if Rocco Lacey got limited to what he could do. He got held off the scoreboard, and he only threw for like 213 yards. Um, you, you look at every other quarterback in the in the – Power three right now, everybody's throwing for over 300. I'm not saying anything bad about Florida State. I'm not saying anything about, bad about Rocco Lacey. I don't want anybody to think that. But it, my, my point is, Rocco Lacey is the vocal point of this offense. If he gets limited to his effectiveness, Florida State loses. It, it's happened time and time again, and it's become more and more noticeable for people like me that pay attention to stuff like that. If his stats aren't running off the stat sheet, Florida State loses the game. My advice to Florida State would be expand. Just just expand. <laughs> just that simple. Just expand what you're doing. I, I think they got the kind of the right concept. Um, like Steven said, there might be just one thing he was talking about. He, he thinks he knows what went wrong. It might just be one thing that is holding this team back. So just, just expand that game plan a little bit. Keep the same general idea. But really let – really tap into Rocco Lacey's potential and spread the ball around. The defense, though, I don't understand. Yeah. Everybody on the defense put up numbers, and they just gave up a lot of points. You just can't. Absolutely. So we move on to probably what I thought was going to be one of the best games to watch uh, this week. And that was Oklahoma State versus Auburn. You've got two great ADs, two great programs. Both of these teams are just always sort of in the mix. Um when it comes to their conference, when it comes to potential playoffs. Um, so, okay, I mean, man, that was a phenomenal game by both of these programs and, and a very, very tough loss for, for Auburn. Uh, how do you feel about that game? Um, like you said, a tough game for Auburn. Um, 
I think you nailed it on that. It was a tough game by two great teams, and I think both teams are going to be very good this year. And also, you just won short and simple. I mean, got nothing much more to say about it. <clears throat> okay, Steven. What sticks out to me the most in this game is it seems like Oklahoma State might be uh, trying to turn over a new leaf this season. Uh, last two seasons, they've been known as a very pass-happy team, get Lyle Fletcher his numbers, and the rest should come. But the last two seasons, they've been figured out late, late on or later on in the season, and they've either been knocked out of the playoffs or uh, just missed it because of their play towards the end of the season. So it seems like they tried to go with a little more balanced book. They ran Deion Hawkins 20 times this game. And uh, I think if they if they can stay balanced and uh, open it up when they need to against certain opponents, this is going to be a very dangerous team. And then you all, you always know that Auburn's going to be dangerous in the SEC, especially with Loki Lawler in the backfield. Absolutely. Frozone, do you see this game? I, I see an Oklahoma State team that was very well prepared. That went out, handled business week one, picked up kind of where they left off a little bit last. And I see an Auburn team that is very versatile, that has a very bright future moving forward, that found a way to get back in the ball game and only lose by three when they were down 26 to 10. And that's all I have to say. Okay. <clears throat> so we roll into a MAC game Toledo at Miami, Ohio. And Toledo's sort of picking up where they left off last last season and looking even a little bit more impressive. Um, Dallas Gregory, the, the dude's just a monster. Um, you know, Wookie, you've had the game plan for, for these kinds of teams in the match in the past. What did you see in this game? What stuck out to you the most? Man, it makes my heart happy seeing a team emphasize running the football. It really does. That's my that's my mo. That's my bread and butter. Um, and I, I I love to see it. And so then they dominated, dominated running the football. Toledo was dominant in that game, and um, Miami Ohio. Uh, I know that they had uh, some unforeseen circumstances this off season, and. You know, I think they'll be they'll bounce back as they keep adding more talent to uh to that roster. But as of right now, Toledo looks super super impressive, and that running attack looks deadly. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And Mr. Steven, you got to play uh, against one, at least one of these teams last season. Um, your thoughts on on both of these teams and how that game went? Um. I don't even know if I can call Toledo the Rockets anymore. It's more like the Toledo Dallas Gregory team. But <laughs> yeah. they're they're just gonna they're just gonna lean on him. He's he's the vocal point of the offense and uh, have Bentley Cooper just do what he can when he needs to. Um, with Miami of Ohio though, yeah, they struggled in this game, but I'm not gonna worry about them yet. Uh, Aso Julian was kind of. Uh, playing from behind when it comes to building his roster coming into the game late, a little bit late. So I think uh, maybe a couple more weeks into this season, he's going to be a force to reckon with in the Mac. Um, I mean, he's got a good quarterback. Oliver alone, 
he had his struggles at Ball State last season, but he's still a very solid quarterback. So um, I think they're going to be they're still going to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And Justin, you your thoughts on this game and how these two teams are looking so far uh, in the Week One matchup? When I look at Miami, Ohio, I see a team that made a lot of people worry when they saw Miami U coming up on the schedule last year. And now now I look at them and I see a team that now knows where they stand. A lot yeah. of players, new head coach, they now know where their holes are, what they need to work on, what they need to fix, what they do good, what they do bad. They now have a a good visual perception of what they need to fix. They they put up points consistently through the game. It just wasn't enough to keep up with Toledo, which leads me to what I was going to say about Toledo. Credit to them because, like I said, this was a team that people were scared to play last year just because of how many points this offense could score at any time. And I don't think that they took too many steps backwards in terms of offense from from that, being able to score multiple points after points after points. And they scored 24. That's yeah. not bad. That that's enough points to win the game, just not when you're not when your opponent scores 59. But yeah. but credit Toledo for just just playing their brand of football, going out and finding a way to win against a tough team. And th- th- they did a very good job of spreading the football out, even though Dallas Gregory took took the stat sheet and just ran with it. But other than his rushing total, um, they did a good job of getting everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. No, I share much of the same thoughts uh, as you do, Josh, on on, on that. You know, um, the run game is extremely important in in, in the league and, and making setting up plays for your teams. And I, I think Toledo did a phenomenal job of, of being able to run the ball and, and just control the clock, control the pace of the game. And they can they allowed the game to run at a comfortable pace for them. When you can do that. Um, you sort of get into your rhythm, and this is sort of how the how the stats sort of turn out, and how the game turns out when when the game goes the way that you sort of plan for it to. Um, so you know, we move on to um, another very interesting matchup in the match, and that was Kent at Bowling Green, and uh, you know, and that turned out to be a, a phenomenal showdown between two fully capable. Matt teams, um, and you know, as a head coach last season, Bowling Green was a, a program you you had the game plan properly for. Kent State was another one of those teams where, man, they just they they played so well as a as an entire unit, you know. And so when you're coming into a game like that, what do you expect to see, and and what is your takeaways from both these teams? Where do they stand in your eyes? As far as what I expect to see, it's the Mac, brother. You don't know what you're getting until you get it. <laughs> all these all these teams have to reload and refill and find a new identity every single season, and that's part of the the struggle and the excitement of the mag. That's what keeps people engaged because a team that you know could have struggled one season can turn around and win the mag the next season. 
You never, you never know. But as far as this game, uh, it was a hard-fought battle against two very capable teams, very good teams, well-coached on both sides. I know Rory and I go at each other in league chat sometimes, but I respect the hell out of him, man. I think he's going to be a great coach, and he's going to be a great AD one day. And, you know, it's just you got to take some lumps sometimes, unfortunately, when you're a head coach and, you know, when you can't win every game as much as you would like to, it's never been done. We've never had an undefeated team in the league, so I don't see it happening anytime soon. So both yeah, teams should feel good about what they saw, and it's all about moving on to the next week and the next opponent. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Stephen, coming off of playing at Bowling Green last season, um is Bowling Green back to where they were last season? Um, did they sort of fall off, or were they about where they were? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on on your former team and this, how they played in this game? Uh, I feel like they played very well for what they have. Um, a lot of us ended up leaving the program to head to the Power Three in, in the off season, so uh, Rory was really wasn't left with that, that much. He got Curtis Andrews. He's a solid quarterback. I mean, you had him at Miami of Ohio last season, and he played really well. But what is missing on this offense is running back. Rui kind of uh, got unlucky and came into the MAC at a time where there really weren't very many running backs to choose from. And uh, last season at Bowling Green, we had two elite running backs to go with Jake Bremer. So if, uh, if he can pick up a solid running back sometime throughout the season, this could be a dangerous thing. Bowling Green team. Absolutely. You know, and, and so Justin leads into, you know, your thoughts on this game. Um, yeah. How do you see these two teams? Where do they change their game plans and how do they come back in week two uh, in order to, to, you know, Bowling Green to, to come back off this went off this loss and then Kent State in order to keep rolling through uh, and, and pick up another win that's next week. Well, I think if you're Kent State, you, you you keep doing exactly what you're doing. Um, I said it earlier for a team. I can't remember who it was. I, I believe it was Texas A&M. I said that if it's working, there's no need to change it. So I think Kent State got a really good idea of what they're going to look like. And so I don't, I don't think they really need to worry about changing anything right now. Just go out next week, see if it works again. And if it does, then you got yourself a, a a really good idea of whether or not you're going to have success this season. If it doesn't work, that's when you abort mission and find something else as fast as possible. But I, I don't see too many problems with um, the Kent State side as of right now. The only issue I have is Carroll Cross, two picks. But other than that, nothing really. Um the big thing for me, though, if you're Bowling Green, you're just about in the same boat. Like Steven said, you need a running back. I believe a, a talented enough running back will put this offense and this entire team actually over the top because Kent State scored 21 points. I'm looking at the stat sheet now. Kent State scored 21 points in the first quarter. Bowling Green scored 21 in the fourth. Both teams scored none in the same quarter as the other team scored 21 without the 
seven point differential in the third quarter. This game is tied. So if you're bowling green, just find find that missing piece. Um that's gonna really elevate this offense. Cause you're getting the ends on one more time. We're talking about a different ball game. Yeah. So bowling green's not that far behind. Um but yeah, in, in terms of game plans go, I don't I don't think either team should really be that worried right now. No, nah, absolutely. So we move on to probably the, the game that uh, Josh is most excited to talk about. Come out and you leave NIU, you get your dream job of, of being the AD of Notre Dame, and you get Miami uh, as a week one game. One, it's intriguing, and, and it's a fun game to watch because it's Catholics versus convicts, um, and, and that's just a, a sort of a great game to, to open up with. But it's also Miami, right? And, and Miami for the last few seasons has just been a very dominant team. Um, <clears throat> man, walk me through your thoughts of this game coming into it. How excited were you for this game? And how excited is you and your entire team coming off with such a great and impressive win? Oh, the excitement level was there. I thought Moon, Moonye and I uh, kind of built up that rivalry pretty well in league chat. Uh, we kept it friendly and classy and fun. But we did a good job of building it up because it is. It's a big game. It's a Catholic versus convicts, hence why we were in green. Uh, going back to the old days of the Irish wear green for big games. Um, and this week one, two new ADs, uh, both eager to prove something. Probably me a little bit more. I have a little bit more to prove. A little bit bigger chip on my shoulder than what he does. Uh, but, yeah, um, you know, I found out the news about their quarterback uh, four hours until game time. So I had to do a little bit of quick adjustments for – what, what we were planning, scrambled a little bit, the coaches and I, but uh, Miami's impressive, man. They really are. Uh, they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, Tenaris Harris is a stud. Um, that I think it's fielder, the wide receiver, uh, ate, us apart, ate us apart the entire game. Um, it came down to, you know, both teams had two turnovers, and but is we I felt like we were able to capitalize a little bit on a little bit more circumstances than what they were. And I think once they get their quarterback, Ty Daimler back, that's gonna be a different story for them. Um <clears throat> but yeah, super excited. It was it was a fun game to watch and contrary to popular belief, I was watching. I just wasn't able to be in chat. So <laughs> to all those who thought that I missed my first game as an A D, I was there. Um I was watching uh my chat stream was like 30 seconds behind the actual game, so I, I couldn't stand to be in there because yeah. people were spoiling everything. <laughs> I was a little on edge, as you probably could tell or could imagine uh, being your first game as an AD, especially at a school like Notre Dame with the track record that I have as a game planner. So it was nice to get that monkey off my back week one, and uh, we're excited for Alabama before we start our uh, three-game road stretch here. Um, excited to be back home in front of the Irish faithful and hopefully come away of 2-0 and before we enter conference play. Awesome. Awesome to hear. You know, so, Steve, in this game, it's interesting in so many different ways. Um, 
you know, so coming into this game, what were your expectations from both these teams, both very talented teams, um, and did how that game went? I didn't really have any expectations for this game because there's so many, like, new faces to both these programs, especially for Lee J. I mean, he just stepped in as the AD, but he lost a lot of players. He lost his quarterback, Naxon Richardson. He lost Marcus Duncan, and he had to bring in a lot of these new guys. Um, I feel like Josh stepped into a little bit better of a situation. He what the came hell? Back. Hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm going to stop you there. <laughs> Do you not realize everybody I lost? Oh, oh no, boy. no. But you, you want to know how many fires I walked in and I inherited? Look what you done started, Steven. Yeah, you yeah know look what you've done. What I'm, what I'm talking about is you, I inherited seven players. You, but you, you inherited a, a top five quarterback in this league is what I was getting at. I had so, to him to say. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't as easy as people thought. I had to recruit him back. <laughs> yeah, no, but but you come back to a, a situation where you have a quarterback already that's already in place. That's all I you, had in offense. Yeah, and you have some <laughs> other leaders in the locker room. Um, but you also Notre Dame also had a heck of a recruiting class. I mean, you got one of the top receivers in the nation in Doc Boom. And probably one of the most underrated recruits in the transfers in the country was uh, uh, Sydney Banks. Sydney Banks Jr. He's a solid cornerback, and uh, he came up big with an interception in this game. So, like I said, I didn't really have any expectations. I was just really curious to see where both teams were heading into the season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Sydney. I think you you analyze that very well in the, in the fact of. Um, Doc Boone's a phenomenal wide receiver. Sidney Banks Jr. is just a, a great um, corner. Um, hated seeing him leave uh, the UF program. Uh, but we're excited that he went on to, to go play at Notre Dame and excited to see how he does this season. Uh, but the dude's just a beast. Um, you know, Justin, thoughts on your, your former head coach and, and his first win in the Power Three? Um, just want to go out on a limb here and say yeah. – uh, that I, I don't believe there's any bias in this statement, but that was a beautiful game plan set up by Josh. Um, the fact that he was able to really balance out um, what he was trying to do, everyone knows that he's a very run-heavy type of guy. He likes to pound the rock and hit you deep when you try to fucking – oh, I, I did not mean to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. We can, we can have one slip. I don't think we're going to get in trouble for that. Yeah, I did not mean to say that. Uh, it, it likes to hit you deep when you try to pinch the run game. Um, it, it worked here. Um, really well ba- balanced. Um, got a lot of passing yards out of Tyler Steeman. When you look at last year, it was really – he was running the ball a lot, running through people, very scary. Um, but he was able to take those rushing numbers, put them into the passing – numbers let deuce williams do his thing as well um and looking at the game itself you got a historic team in real life and in the cfsl miami you got one of the most exciting teams to watch every year notre dame um and and i believe a top storyline that nobody really talked about or that at least that i saw was the fact that wookie had only won three or four games coming in. So I, I, I think everybody was like sleeping on him. And then he came in and just slammed the door in Miami's face. 
and got to credit the defense as well. Um, the defense is very similar uh, to last year. A lot of playmakers on that defense, a lot of great tacklers. And, uh, I mean, Notre Dame just went out and made it happen, man. They did. They played a great game. I appreciate that. I can't take all the credit, though. I got great coaching staff behind me at Notre Dame. Uh, they all worked the fails off for me. And we all had the same goal, and that's to repeat what this team did in season one and send uh, Amy out in style, send my other seniors like Dorian Chase Miller out in style. I know he was eager to get another ring. Um, Al Walker, another senior. Amelia Gonzalez, we're looking to fight for those guys because – they deserve it, man. Absolutely. You know, and, and you know, before we, we, you know, earlier today when me and Josh were talking, um, I got to give credit, man, to, to your halfback. Dude's just a, a beast. Um, Deuce Williams is phenomenal. And like I said, you know, like I told you in, in DMs, man, I, I think you and Doc Smith look to be the most impressive halfbacks inside the power three right now. Um, Ty Dixon being up there as well, of course, but just the amount of carries versus the yards and, and what y'all were able to do against um, some really great defenses. Um, man, I, and kudos to, to, to Deuce and, and what he was able to do on the field. Yeah, he's just looking to help the team win. It doesn't matter to him if he has 100 yards or 16 yards, as long as he does something to help the team pull out the W at the end. That's all he, that's all he cares about. Very humble guy, Deuce Williams is. No doubt. Um, so we go on to the Nets game, and, and, man, LSU just looked extremely impressive from start to finish of this game. Mizzou versus LSU. Um, Mizzou's one of those – I mean, Doma – and that's the craziness of this game is Doma uh, had never lost to LSU. And – to go into Missouri, rebuild a new new program that he's passionate about and that he has a, an excitement for, um, and to go into this game and get two field goals. Um, is that credit to LSU's defense? Is is LSU back to season nine sort of standings where they where they were playing, um, or is this just maybe it was just a bad game plan for for Mizzou? Um, you know, Josh, what are your thoughts? Oh, first of all, I gotta give gotta give props to my former Huskies, uh, Damian Lewis, um, and Justin Morris Jr. Both showed out. Uh, I thought Justin Morris Jr. was a little bit slept on in the transfer portal. Obviously, yeah. I inherited a quarterback; otherwise, I would have fought hard for him to be in the, the blue and gold. But I, you know, a kid balled out, and he did exactly what I saw in him last year when I recruited him. He's a special player. He's a and he's going to do great things in the league. Damian Lewis flew around the ball, knocking people's lights out like he does. So two players I really wish I had I had room for to bring in. But unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, because I, I got studs on my team. But, you know, you know what I mean. The word I'm looking Thanks. for. Yeah. Uh, well, there are definitely guys you'd love to have, anybody would love to have in their locker room. So uh, congratulations to those guys on the win. But that game – Looked like LSU from season nine, man. It really did dominate throughout. Um, Josh Knight had a big game, and it was good to see LSU kind of turn that page back over again. I know last year they they had a little bit of a struggle, so it was nice to see them back in the front. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the 
dominating performance like that. As far as Missouri, man, I do not have any worries about Missouri. Doma's that guy. He's that dude. <laughs> so I'm not worried about uh, Missouri at all. They're going to be just fine. No, absolutely. Steven, you know, from a defensive perspective, how well did LSU play in your eyes? LSU played lights out on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Missouri has a ton of offense, a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I've been running Sims against them the last several days, and they're a very talented team on the offensive side of the ball. But uh, to hold them to only two field goals, absolutely amazing. And on top of the the only six points allowed, my uh, linebacker from Bowling Green, Tyler Rogalski, had two dropped interceptions right in his lap, too. One of them would have been a pick six. So this game could have been even uglier. But, I mean – I'm not worried about Missouri either at this point. Doma is a great athletic director, and uh, I think it was a mix between LSU just being that good and uh, an unlucky game plan for Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, And so, and I'm not going to dive a whole lot into your thoughts, uh, Justin, because um, later on we'll have a one-on-one podcast with you. as we interviewed JMJ on his first uh, P3 game. Um, but just real quick, give me your thoughts on this on this team and, and how that game went. Um, straight up, 100%, I give credit to the defense and the receivers. Um, all, of the, all of LSU receivers were finding a way to get behind the defense, get open and allow me to make easy throws. This defense, it's filthy, man. This defense is dangerous. And um, I I think a lot of people don't realize it yet. Um, But they they saved us a couple times. The offense took a while to get started, and the defense just balled out all game. I know I fumbled in the end zone on on one. And they saved me again, but great game plan, just about perfect. Um, loved it. As far as Mizzou goes, there there's three players, really four, that stand out to me. And I want to say, this is a young team. Missouri, yeah. very young team, and you got Kai Coco, freshman, Alex Riggs, freshman, Brock Hoskins, freshman, Zach Kelso, sophomore. The list goes on. Kai Coco is going to be a dangerous quarterback once he gets his feet under him. Axel Riggs, he's going to be a dangerous running back when he gets his feet under him. And he, he's he, they both showed flashes of what they can do throughout that game. But for Kai Coco as a quarterback, I think I speak for all of us that are quarterbacks in this league. We, we've all been freshmen before. You're going to have those games. I mean, he took care of the football. He didn't turn it over. So that's that's a big plus. But you're going to have those games where it, it just doesn't all go right for you. And uh, you end up losing the ball game. Just look at Texas when I, when I pitched the ball into the chest of a defender. It was just things like that. Your, your first game as a freshman, it's growing pains. He looks good. And I expect big things out of this young Missouri team. <clears throat> Absolutely. Why do you gotta bring that up? Why? 
because my heart, my heart two, still hurts. Two <laughs> two seasons in a row. Week one, I fumble on the goal line. <laughs> if you do it a third season in a row, man, I'm gonna call it the JMJ curse, and <laughs> what's gonna be known as. <laughs> yeah, don't do it again. <laughs> no problem. You get two passes, but the third time you become a meme. <laughs> so we're gonna wrap this up with the last game of, of the week, and that was um, USC versus Oklahoma. Um, and this was another one of those games that you sort of look at and you're like, man, this is gonna be a good matchup. Um, you have USC, who is a playoff team, who who went into the playoffs the number one seed. And Oklahoma going into the playoffs. Um, so both playoff teams from last season, you sort of expect uh, a great game between these two. Where, and USC is just an extremely talented team. Oklahoma is an extremely talented team. Uh, just shed some, shed a little bit of thoughts on this. Uh, you know, Josh is how this game went. Well, I got nothing nice to say about USC. Um, I think they're overrated. I think they're overconfident. I think their uniforms suck. I think. Dang. I think that they just they're just terrible all around. And obviously, <laughs> Oklahoma should have won this game. And that that's all I got to say about that. Go Irish. All right. Wow. Okay. So um, strong words from from Josh. Um, that does not share the same sentiment as me, so uh, please don't don't go bashing bashing me. Uh, Steven, this game, how did you view it? What are your takes on it? So coming into it, I the way Oklahoma finished last season, I thought they'd be able to hop right back onto that and uh, take care of business in week one. But in this game, it intrigued me because you have two athletic directors that put a lot of time into the league and uh, into their teams as well. And you also have two ADs that were former head coaches at Bowling Green. Um, USC lost a lot when, uh, when Ted left, but they re- they also retained a lot of talent. You got Radman Roberts coming back. You have Ryan Lundy coming back. You have Case Blazer coming back. Those are three huge components to what USC has been the last couple of seasons. Yeah. So I think the way they set the game plan up for Jake, Jake Brummer was huge. I mean, you kind of opened him up a little bit, but you didn't uh, expose overly expose him. And uh, in the run game, Brummer's just a tank. So when, uh, when they're in need of those first downs, just uh, have him tuck the ball and run and knock over some guys. But uh, I'm not worried about Oklahoma right now. I mean, Oklahoma struggled early on in the season 10, but uh, Arctic really found a way to turn things around and made the playoffs. Absolutely. And, you know, so, James, Jay, give me your thoughts on this as we we wrap this part of the uh, segment up. All right. Um, So, for me, first of all, I just want to say, Josh, that that was – brutal things I've ever heard in a, in a CFSL podcast ever. Usually, <laughs> usually people refrain from from stuff like that. Jesus, going for that. No, 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 no. You don't understand. That hate runs deep. 
The only reason USC is relevant is because Notre Dame decided that they wanted to take a vacation every other season to Southern California in December. Uh, that's the only reason they're relevant. Anyways. <laughs> um, for me, even though Ted Stern left, USC will always hold a special place in my heart due to my first two seasons in the CFSL. So I'm glad to see them get the win. However, oh, and also I think Jake Brummer showed for real that he didn't take any steps back coming into a new offense. Uh, he he played really well. Um, he did throw a pick, but other than that, he, he played very well. Um, the issue I'm having is – Bosh was right. Oklahoma should have won this game. Um, their defense shut USC out in the second half. Um, USC scored a lot of points in the first half, and after that, it was ice cold. This defense played really well for Oklahoma. The issue, though, why they lost the game is because of the t- three interceptions by Jack Cannon. That just goes into what I was saying about Kai Coco. It's freshman elite quarterback growing pains. He threw for 515 yards um, in his in his first game. So th- that's unbelievable. But you got to take care of the football, and it, it cost him the game in this in this case. But yeah. much like Mizzou, I, I expect them to eventually start taking steps in the right direction. And this team may very well look very dangerous late in the season. Who knows? This is one of the this is one of the few times I actually picked Oklahoma to win, and they let me down. So I'm kind of salty about it. Oh wow! 